You're listening to the Copywriter On Call podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gillis, copywriter, word magic maker, and owner of What Sarah Said. On this podcast, you'll feel empowered to show up online in a way that has you saying, that's so me. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to the Copywriter On Call podcast. I am your host, Sarah Gillis, and I am clocking in on call today with one of my friends and my favorite creatives in the industry, Coley James. Welcome so much, Coley. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm you so know thrilled that I love copywriting. Like if I was a more gifted person, I would probably be a copywriter, but I am just not that good with words unless it comes to my own. So I love hanging out with copywriters like you. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that you're here because you're gifted in ways, girl, that I am not. So let's get into it. For those who don't know you yet, what a shame. But for those who don't know you yet, please, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, and what you love about what you do. Okay. So as she said, I'm Coley James. I am a family filmmaker turned systems and client experience strategist. I am based right outside of Boulder, Colorado, where I live with my husband and my 13-year-old daughter. And yes, she has all of the teen angst at the moment. And what I love about what I do for other people is I make systems easy. I know that systems can be a pretty scary place. You don't know if they're going to work, what you should do. But I just enjoy taking all of that stress away and making it to where you feel confident in using some automated systems inside of your business. Love it. I love it so much. I think that the teen angst is something that we're like on the cusp of, right? I have an 11 year old boy and it's like, oh my gosh, we get little like hints of what's to come. And I'm like hanging on for dear life some days, I swear. Oh, so you give me hope that it's going to be okay. Cause you're a few years ahead of me. I mean, I am, but like, you know, just the, she picks out an outfit like yesterday, for example, she left bracelets at school. And so when she came home from her private school, she's like, mom, can we go to school and pick them up? We went to school and of course they were nowhere to be found. And she was sad for the entire rest of the day. And it's like, I know if I offered to go buy her new bracelets, she would be happy, but I just refuse. Yeah. Yeah. It's the little finger skateboards in my house. Those are the things that get left at school and then we get really sad about it. (laughs) All right. So I always love to ask former professors, you and I both share a background in education. So I Mm -hmm. always love to ask, what is something that you absolutely do not miss about education? You know, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I just, I don't miss the college student attitude. That is literally the only thing that I don't miss. I feel like because of the courses that I've created and the different education and coaching and mentoring that I've done the entire time that I have been an entrepreneur, I haven't really missed the making things easy for other people because I still do that. Mm -hmm. But what I definitely do not miss is like college student attitude because you got hung over last night and you don't want me to explain to you what a Z curve is. Like, I'm sorry, you have to have this class to graduate. I am here making it fun. I can't make it any better. And so suck it up like I did when I was in college. Yes. (laughs) That's, That's the one thing that I don't miss, Sarah. Yes, I love that. What is something that you relied on when you were teaching that you still use today? I know you talked about making things easier, but Mm -hmm. what's something else that you relied on while you were a teacher, while you were in that kind of front of classroom mode that you still use today? 
uh, really technology. So the funny thing is, I mean, I, I started teaching in 2001. God, that's so long ago. I started <laughs> teaching in 2001. And this was before tablets existed. This was before iPads. But I had one of the original prototypes that was like an HP tablet computer. It swiveled around and you could push it down against the keyboard. It was, it was like a really nuanced thing. And for my students, I would take all of my notes while I was teaching on that, and then I would deliver it to them after class so that they could really focus on what I was teaching rather than scribbling down every single thing that I put on the board. And I mean, that's not new now. I mean, we have smart boards, we have all kinds of things, but you know, back in the early 2000s, that just wasn't a thing. And so I feel like I do the same thing now that I teach systems in terms of screen sharing videos. Like mm. I'm showing them every single step so that you don't have to write copious notes. You can just, you know, follow along on a video and pause and actually do the thing and then come back. I love that. That's awesome. You were like on top of it back in the day. I love <laughs> I that. I love tech. I love tech. I've always loved tech. Um, yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. So you are here today to talk a little bit about Airtable, which is one of the things that you and I have kind of geeked out over. I love Airtable and you have opened my eyes to a lot of different capabilities in Airtable. So I would love for you to kind of just share for those who don't know, what are a couple of your favorite uses for the platform? Okay. So first, I feel like I have to tell you guys what Airtable is because sometimes people are like, oh, well, it's tech, but what does it do? So if you are a service provider and you are keeping track of anything in like an Excel, an Excel spreadsheet or a Google sheet, that is probably something that would translate nicely into Airtable. It is just point blank a database. It's a database that allows you to put a lot of information in and you can manipulate it in a way to where you can get the information that you need by using different views, mm. which is very different than what you can do in an Excel spreadsheet. They're kind of similar, but they're also very, very different. And so I would say the first case use that I love is actually the product that you bought out of my shop. Mm -hmm. And it's to create a client hub. What I want you to do is just put all of your data in one place. Now, some of you might be saying, oh, but Coley, like you talk about Dubsado, you talk about HoneyBook. Isn't that putting all of your data in one spot? And I would say yes, but it's only the sales part. Like mm -hmm. you are still managing your email subscribers inside of Flowdesk or ConvertKit. You are still processing your payments inside of Square or PayPal. So every single one of your clients or your leads has information that is spread out around a lot of different applications. And I love that Airtable is really good for consolidating all of that information into one place. Oh, I love that so much. It has been so wonderful for me to like be able to say, okay, I want to see how my business is doing in real time today. I want to see what kinds of people are inquiring with me, what kinds of people are hitting yes on a freebie. I want to see who's mm -hmm. subscribing to what segment in my email list. And I don't have to go seven different places to find all of that out. I can go to one place. Yes. I love that so much. Do you have any other favorite uses of Airtable that you wanted to share with anyone? I mean, it's weird. It, you're a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. Mm -hmm. I literally manage every single part of my podcast inside of Airtable. For a while, I was helping people manage, like you and I, you do the scheduling and your CRM and you do that. And then I was sending everybody into Airtable to do like the management part, like the editing, the writing of the show notes, all of those kinds of things. But now I am managing the entire thing inside of Airtable. So mm. I have a very unnatural number of hubs. 
I mean, and oh, you know, I will say this. This is more for like the average person and not podcasters like us. I am currently working towards creating all of my content inside mm. of Airtable. So one of the most recent hubs that I created for myself is like a marketing and content hub so that I can not only pull information from podcast hub that I want to put on my social media, but I can also write emails there and I can write social media captions and, you know, create graphics in Canva, but then link them in Airtable. It's really helpful because I have other people helping me do these things. Like Airtable is where we all go for the information rather than logging into like five different applications to create one social media post. Oh, that is gold. I'm, my brain is like, okay, talk to Coley about that later. <laughs> love it. Love it. That's so awesome. Okay. So when I purchased your leads and clients hub in Airtable, the quick at a glance data that I was able to get was fantastic. So tell me why this was on your heart to create this kind of hub for people and to sell it too. So I, I want to give a shout out to Jordan Gill of System Saved Me. I will say I was on a coaching call in one of her programs and she made a comment that she knew which one of her lead magnets was performing best in terms of people entering the program. And I was like, wait, how, how do you know that? And she was like, oh, well, you know, I'm organizing it all in Airtable. And I think from that call on, I was super obsessed with, okay, but like I can tell all of the different segments in like ConvertKit or Flowdesk mm -hmm. where people are getting a freebie. And I can go see who's purchasing my stuff inside of Thrivecart or Kartra at that point. But what I couldn't see was that intersection. Like, okay, these people joined this freebie. How long did it take them? to actually make a purchase, whether it was a template or a course, or they bought one of my VIP days. And so I got really obsessed with like the intersection. And the truth is the one that I sell in the template shop is actually a very watered down version of that. And it's not that I don't want to give away all my secrets because if anybody buys it and they want to know what else they can do with it, I'm happy to help you. But I was really scared of the customer service. Like if I gave you this, if I gave you my template, <laughs> I was just, sure that everyone would be super overwhelmed with not knowing what to do. And so I did really want to start with like that very basic, you bring in all your leads, you bring in all your sales, and you see what it tells you about your current marketing efforts to make some decisions on what you should do going forward. Because I have this one lead magnet, it's the four workflows that every entrepreneur needs. And I think that it is so aligned with most of my offers but it does not actually generate the most sales. It does not push people from um, signing up for the freebie to actually purchasing faster than some of the other freebies that I have. And so, you know, if I didn't have this data, I wouldn't know that. And then I couldn't make decisions where, okay, but like, what should I do in order to get people along that path faster now that I have a little bit more information about what people are doing after they sign up for a particular freebie from my website. Yeah, I think data is only as good as the the decisions you can make from it. Yes. And for me, it's like data is so overwhelming, but you made it so easy to create this centralized hub that then I have all of the information I need to make decisions, to tweak this this freebie or to tweak this checklist or whatever it is to see how it could be performing better, how mm -hmm. it could be serving a client better. The other piece I really love is the lifetime value <sighs> of a client. Can you tell me about that? Because that was that's brilliant. 
So the funny thing is I value it in my own business, but I really valued it as a photographer mm. <laughs> because sometimes I would ask people, okay, so who were you, who are your top 10 clients? No one could tell me. And I was like, okay, well, who spent the most money with you? Yeah. And they still couldn't tell me because most of the CRMs are not giving you a client lifetime value inside of the CRM. So yes, you can find that information. You can, you know, search for your client's name. You can add up every single time they've hired you. But like, isn't it nice to just be able to click and be like, oh, these are my top 10 clients by revenue. This is fabulous. Maybe I should send them a gift or send them an email that I'm thinking of them or whatever it is. I will say the other part about the client lifetime value is that I feel like a lot of us are not paying enough attention to it. Um, we bring somebody into our business and we spend a lot of time and marketing efforts to bring them in, to nurture them, to put them through that first service. And then we don't pay enough attention to them after because a lot of us have clients that would return either for the same service. Like in your case, Sarah, no one writes a sales page and then never needs it tweaked. Right. I mean, I would argue that at least every year, every whatever, you need your sales copy tweaked because your business is changing and the audience that you are serving is probably changing as well. And so if you realize what your client value is, the lifetime client value of people is, you can focus more effort on bringing them back and getting rehired by the same people, which often takes way less effort than bringing in brand new clients. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that opportunity to continue nurturing someone to say, okay, well, I initially served this person last January, I should check in again. That's a great opportunity that this kind of hub helps to ping me to think about mm -hmm. like, oh, when was the first time I interacted with this yes. person? And how long has it been since I've touched base? That's a really great like side effect of it mm -hmm. all is having it centralized in that one location. Well, and you mentioned the client lifetime value, but if I'm not mistaken, the very next column is when is the last time that this person hired me? Yeah. So that you can look and okay, if it's, and I mean, we're really getting in the weeds, Sarah, but like if you anticipate that someone should be checking in with you at least once a year or once every two years, you can actually make a formula to where once that person, the amount of time since they last hired you is like greater than a year or greater than 18 months, you could put them into a special table, a special view, and, and it would ping you to be like, it's time to reach out to this particular person and find out if their copy is still serving them well. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And I mean, that would benefit so many different industries, right? Mm -hmm. Photographers included, right? Is it time for that family photo again? Let's revisit, right? Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Okay. So tell me a little bit about this systems piece of your heart, right? Business owners, they know they need systems. But one of the things I hear most frequently is, I don't want to come across as impersonal or cold. <laughs> so tell me your take on this, because I know it's going to be awesome. I mean, I don't think that automated emails have to be robotic. I think that if you sound like you and you put a little bit of personality and fun in there, that no one is going to read this email and be like, oh gosh, it's another email from Coley James. It's probably telling me something that I already know. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my clients are like, oh, that email that you just sent me was awesome. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, that was an automated email. So which one <laughs> would they have gotten? <laughs> I should go look and see which one they're referring to. Um, but when it comes to systems, people feel like automation is not high touch. 
And so if we can all as like an industry, just like jump over that hump and get to the other side, I feel like the grass is greener. There's rainbows and unicorns because what I feel like automations and systems in general gives you is consistency and it's Mm. consistency for your clients, but it's also consistency for you. I can't tell you how much stress I had in the early parts of my business, wondering if I had sent someone this one email and, you know, oh, I haven't, I haven't seen their client questionnaire. Did I forget to send it? I mean, and the other thing is systems don't have to be automated and everyone has systems. If you want to call it processes, if you want to call it steps of how you handle working with your clients, we all have them. But I think not enough of us take the time to sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and just write them all down to figure out which ones are necessary and which ones aren't, which ones can be automated, which ones require customization. Because systems, you don't start with a tool. Sometimes people come to me and they are so excited about setting up Dubsado or HoneyBook or 17 Hats or whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, but like, what do you want it to do? And they're like, oh, I just, I need workflows. I'm like, yeah but what do you do with your clients that we're going to be putting into these workflows? And so like the first half of any setup that I do is getting to know the client and what they do for their clients so that we can in fact write down all of the processes, all of the touch points that you have so that then we can think about, well, can we write a template? Can that template be automatically sent? Does that template require some kind of customization for information that they've given you in another place? Like that is like putting together a puzzle. I'm not a puzzle person, but I love putting together business puzzles so that we can figure out like the most effective and streamlined way that you can help your clients with whatever service it is that you provide. I love that. I think that the consistency piece that always kept me up at night is, is every VIP day client getting the same experience? Mm -hmm. Am I showing up in the same way at the same times in the client journey for each of those clients? And that's really what the, the systems approach to my business has allowed me to do, whether it's an email that I've personalized with my own voice, or whether it's even just adding a task to my, to my ClickUp or adding a task to my backend system. Like I want to ensure that whether you inquire with me today or six months from now, you're getting served in the same way. Mm -hmm. And that has been the biggest game changer system wise for me. Well, and I just want to point it out there that systems are definitely not set it and forget it. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like some people are like, oh, well, I don't have my systems down pat. Yeah, you never will. I mean, I'm, I'm how far into this game. And I still like when I deal with one client, I'm like, oh, I really should be asking everyone this on their pre-work. And so I go to the pre-work forms and I add the question in so that going forward, I'm asking everyone this question. Mm -hmm. If I'm sending an email and I'm just like, you know what, like two weeks before the VIP day is, is too quick. I need to change this to three weeks. I feel like just a lot of people want it to be perfect Mm -hmm. before they sit down and they, you know, create the systems and automate. And I would just argue it's, it's going to be a living breed. It's like a plant. You need to water it and it will just continue to grow. I often kill plants. So that's a whole different story. (laughs) I will just say, like, I want you to do bare minimum. And it has honestly changed the way that I am doing business in 2023 and beyond. Because sometimes I feel like I know people are not ready for a full system setup. So I've started really focusing on helping them like automate inquiry and bookings. 
Mm. And then we can worry about your onboarding later because you have never experienced like automatically booking your clients. And so often they're not ready to make decisions about onboarding or they make decisions that they very quickly grow out of. So Mm. as long as you are willing to like get a piece of paper and every time something doesn't feel good or you think of a better way to do it, you just write a list down and maybe every week or every month, or, you know, maybe even every quarter, Sarah, you sit down and you make these changes to your systems in order to make them better for future clients. But no one should be stuck in deciding to make systems because they don't know all the pieces that they need. The pieces will come. Every Mm -hmm. time you work with a client, you will get more ideas of how to make your systems more efficient. I love that. And I think our services, just like our business, our services evolve. We evolve as people, as service providers. And so that continued nurture, that continued refinement, that's a a huge thing for sure. I love Mm -hmm. that. So if a business owner listening wants to take one small step today to show up a little bit more authentically in their systems, Mm -hmm. like their CRM, what would you recommend they take as that very first step? Gosh, it's going to be copy, Sarah. So it's good that I'm on your podcast. Um, The one thing that I will say, and I do it as a service provider, helping other people create systems, but I also do it as myself. I had a call yesterday and the client said something and I said, okay, well, how does this sound? And I just rambled off like this entire piece. And she's like, oh my God, that's perfect. I didn't write it down. I said, no, that's why I'm recording it. I literally go take the transcript. I copy that piece into your email and then I polish it to make it sound better. But I feel like sometimes we are all really stuck in what to write. Mm. And again, I'm a math person, definitely not a words person, but I can talk about anything. And so if you're feeling that you don't sound like yourself in emails, you probably don't. But what I would recommend is that you take your computer, a Loom video or a... um audio recording on your phone and you just hit record and you talk about it. Mm. And then you take that file and you transcribe it because what you say is usually better for most people than what you write because no one likes a blank page, but okay, I can hit record and just talk, especially, you know, if there's somebody on the other end or not. And if you're really struggling to like do it by yourself, get a business bestie. Like, Hey, Sarah, I need to talk about my emails. Can we get on something? And I hit record and you just ask me questions because again, the transcription is going to allow you to start from not a blank page. Yeah. I love that. I call voice memos, my little like hack, like, cause mm-hmm. nobody really like expects you to perform perfectly on a voice memo. You're able to like ideate and say, mm, I didn't like that. Let me try that again. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever has to hear it. It's just for you. Nope, it's just and for you or, yes. or your copywriter. Right. Or your copywriter. Yeah, girl. And so honestly, it's a place where you can just create and ideate and let it free form and free flow and see which which option sounds best, which message is more refined, which mm-hmm. message really hits my ideal client's needs in this particular way. I also love notepad for this purpose, like just writing random notes because I mean, most people don't save those random text files. And so it's a way to like trick. I love that for you. It's a way to like trick your brain to like, okay, well, what I put here, it's impermanent. It's not going to stick around forever. But it's a way to trick your brain into saying, okay, well, I can just be myself then. If it's not permanent, if it's not going to stick around, I can Mm -hmm. just show up as I am. Well, and I love the notes app for all of us Mac users out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I will put a notes in my phone and then when I get on my computer, I can just open it and see what I typed in the car while I was waiting for Chloe to get out of school or whatever it is. Right. So 
I think just being willing to talk about what you want to write about in terms Mm -hmm. of your emails. And then also, I mean, if your client gives you feedback, like, oh my gosh, Coley, I really love that email that you sent last week. Uh, Give yourself a pat on the back and figure out how you can replicate that in the rest of your emails. (laughs) Like, what was it about that one email that made your client specifically say, oh my God, I love that email. Like, dissect it. Talk Mm -hmm. about it. Try and figure out what it is. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the place of video in mm-hmm. in a system? I mean, whether it's an email message or a proposal or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're sending, is that another way to show yes. up authentically? And how do you use that? What's the best practice? So the funny thing is, I love sales calls, but I specifically don't think they're sales calls. Like, I just want to know if we're aligned. Mm-hmm. I want to know if what you think you need or what you actually need is something that I can actually offer you. And so a lot of my sales calls are we get on and you tell me about your business and you tell me about the thing that is keeping you up at night related to your systems. And I figure out if I have an offer that will help you. Mm. And so if you have anxiety about sales calls, you don't actually have to be on a synchronous call with someone. Mm. You can make them a quick video. That's like, okay, you know, hi, I'm so glad that you reached out to me. I would love to know, you know, a little bit more about your business and what your current struggles are. And like, if you had to pick one thing that is driving you absolutely batshit crazy about your systems, tell me what it is. Mm -hmm. I send them a video. Sometimes they answer with a video. Sometimes they type out a response. But that's just another way to get personal, but not have the anxiety of showing up at a particular day and time and having your client like ask you or having your potential lead ask you a question that you don't quite feel prepared to answer. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is when someone inquires with you, I personally love telling everyone to make a quick one minute video. And if you don't want to make a video, it can just be a gif of you waving with some words. But like landing pages after someone schedules a call with you or after they inquire on your contact page is so personable. Mm. They get to see you. They get to hear you. They get to even be more excited about the prospect of working with you. And that video is something, I mean, if it takes you 20 times to record it, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Video is definitely a learned skill. There are definitely some people that just get on video and it's great. You know, they don't have to like re-record or anything. But the beautiful thing about asynchronous video is if you record it and you don't like it, you can do it again. Mm -hmm. I have yet to meet someone that after five takes still doesn't have something that they feel comfortable sharing with their potential leads and clients. Yeah. I love the idea of the landing page piece Mm because I mean, that's when they're most excited, right? After they hit go or submit or send, they're most excited about the the prospect of working with you. So give them a little love. And it can be something like you said, that's really low stakes and feels comfortable for us to create on the service provider end. I love it. And in terms of replacing a sales page, I will say, Some of us feel uncomfortable about talking about money. I don't happen to be one of those people, but some people are really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And if you make a video where you're actually talking about your services and you're giving the numbers to them in a video, you don't have to worry about their reaction on a call when you tell them what your services cost. Now, I will argue no one should be getting on a sales call and have absolutely no idea what you cost. I mean, that's just not something that I believe in, but... In terms of giving somebody full disclosure and actually walking them through your process and giving them that, you know, bottom line price, Mm -hmm. if you feel uncomfortable doing it on a call, 
practice on a video, see mm. if that feels better to you, because then you really are being consistent. It's not that you are telling people one price. And I know uh, some of us, when we're new in business, we're like, okay, but like, if I just knocked $500 off, would they hire me? Let me just say that it's 2000 instead of 2,500. I mean, having that video creates consistency, not mm -hmm. only in the information that you are giving, but it also helps you not be like, okay, maybe if I just make it a little cheaper, they'll hire me. No, right. most times they won't. Yeah, <laughs> stick to those prices, girl, mm -hmm. love it. All right, uh, one of my favorite things to ask all of my guests is about showing up online as yourself. So how has showing up online and authentically in your business been for you? Has it always been easy? What's your favorite way to show up online as yourself? Girl, I think this is when being a professor is what really helped me do that. <laughs> I mean, because I started teaching at 21. And mm. honestly, most of the students in my class were only like three years younger than me. I mean, yes. that's how I started. And so I had to build my confidence in terms of being in like a classroom of, you know, 30 people. But when I was teaching statistics at a large university, I mean, sometimes there were 120 people in the room. Holy so buckets. I feel like that has helped me show up authentically on video, on the podcast, when I'm teaching, you know, like webinars or whatever. I just, I really think that my teaching background is what mm. makes it easier for me to show up. Now, I will say some days I just don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. And most of the time people just can't tell. Like, I don't know that anybody's noticed, but I haven't done an Instagram, um, what are they called? An Instagram story. I haven't done one in almost a month. And I don't Ooh, know that anybody has like noticed. Like face to camera type situation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like actually typing and being myself or even posting stories because my feed is still getting videos of me from the podcast. It's still getting quote cards. So, I mean, if you have those kinds of content pieces set up, there are days where you are weeks, let's be honest, weeks, mm -hmm. where you don't feel like showing up online. And the, the truth is not many people are going to notice because as long as you have the content going, you are still going to be nurturing them, even if you are not showing up every single day in like a live format. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because for me, I experienced the same thing when I was a teacher. I was just a few years older than my students, which was so bizarre. And I went through all of these phases, like I got to wear a blazer today. So I look authoritative. And then I would be teaching poetry a few weeks later and I would want to dress all boho and just be that poetry literary professor. And I tried on so many different hats and personas when I was teaching that it wasn't until I stepped into business ownership mm -hmm. that I felt like me and I could just be yes. me and let go of all of the the blazers and all the things. No shade on blazers. I mean, I love a, I love a good blazer, but it just wasn't me. It wasn't mm -hmm. authentically me. And so I love the journey to business ownership because it's allowed me to be myself in my business, on my podcast, online, when I engage with clients. And I, I just think it's so interesting that your experience was a little bit flipped. That's so awesome. <laughs> and I mean, I will say, I don't want anybody in the listening audience to say that we are saying that you have to show up on video. Mm -hmm. I actually, if you feel uncomfortable, definitely don't show up that way, but find a way to show up. Yes. Even if you are just, even if you're posting on your own feed or if you're responding to posts on other people's feeds, I do think that social media it's not that you can't have a thriving business without it, but it really does allow you to engage with your audience, build an audience for yourself and kind of make yourself visible mm. and create that authority that you want to have 
around the service that you provide. And so whatever medium you choose to do that in is totally up to you. I mean, if you just like to talk, maybe a podcast is great for you. I mean, Sarah and I both do video podcasts, Mm -hmm. but I know plenty of people that either don't record video or they record video and just never use it. Mm -hmm. So you just have to find what feels comfortable to you and go with it. Yeah, I agree. And viewing your website copy too, as an extension of yourself, Mm -hmm. of who you are on, on social media, who you are in that place you found comfortable, that is always a good idea, right? Continuing to show up however you feel comfortable in the platform of your choice, but also on your website, that is the key. That's one, one thing that I love to talk to clients about. Well, I know. Let me just give you a plug, Sarah, because you and I had this conversation at a at a conference that we recently went to. We were having the discussion of how you convince people that you can, in fact, write like them. Mm. And I would say that for anyone in the audience that's struggling to figure out what your persona is and what it means to like write a website that is authentically you, you do not have to have that figured out before you hire a copywriter. Mm-hmm. For some of us, it's easy. Like for some of us, it's, you know, we're doing this thing and we know how we want to show up online. But if you don't know that, hiring a copywriter is a way to get there because they will talk to your clients. They will ask your clients the things that you have never thought were super important, but it's the entire reason that your client hired you in the first place. And you wouldn't know that if you don't ask. And so sometimes it's uncomfortable to ask your clients, well, why do you love me? (laughs) Why do you continue to pay me money every year? I mean, if you're not doing feedback surveys, I highly recommend that you do. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, and you're stuck on what your website copy should be, I mean, having a consultation with a copywriter is a really great start towards moving to have a website that is authentically you. Sorry, that's my plug for Sarah. Mm, I love that girl. I, we were talking specifically about like how we're so close to our own businesses and how that outside view can really be helpful. And I love that you tied it into a copywriting example, but I think that goes for systems too, right? It's Mm -hmm. that outsider view to ask you questions. Well, do you really need to approve (laughs) that email before you send it? Can you just automate it? Can you just have it go? Sarah, that's that's the hardest thing. I mean, and sometimes I think what drives me a little crazy is when I have clients, <laughs> not naming anybody specific here, but when I have clients who tell me, no, I absolutely have to customize that email. And I say, okay, well, what needs to be customized? And they tell me, and I'm like, I can make that a smart field. What else? And they're like, well, no, I mean, it just, it can't go out automatically. And I'm like, can we just try? Can you send it automatically to the next five clients and then come back and tell me if it still feels like it's not authentically you? I, you know, I really struggle because in some cases, people are coming to me for my expertise and I do really poke at people. I really do give people pushback. But at the end of the day, it is your business. And so if you really want to do A, B, and C, I am going to set you up with A, B, and C. Now, in most cases, you come back and you're like, "Mm -mm, that actually wasn't a good idea. Can we change it? And then I happily redo it and charge you more money. (laughs) But I mean, I just I really do like to push people to think outside their box. And that's why when I do people setups, I mean, like the entire like there's a four hour call where I'm asking you like everything about your business, because there are things that you know that you don't think you know, that you never think to say out loud. And it isn't until you get that outside perspective, whether it's your systems or your copy or your photos, that you really think about, okay, that really is important to my clients. And how can I highlight that either on my website, on my social media, 
or inside my client experience. Yes. Yes, girl. <laughs> All the things. I love it. I am sending you a big virtual hug, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, be sure to check out the show notes. We will have links for you for the amazing Leads and Clients Hub and Airtable, as well as a couple of other little gems that I'll throw in for you. But as always, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Coley. I'm so glad you were here. Thank you, Sarah. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Copywriter On Call podcast. If this episode has you feeling all sorts of inspired to show up as yourself online, click that subscribe button so you don't miss my stories or practical advice to help you express your quirky, vulnerable, and authentic self online. Chat soon.